Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Now today I'm not going to preach a sermon. I want to talk to you out of my heart. I almost never do this. Thank you, Deacon Otis. I almost never do this. But this is one of those times when it is necessary. I want to lay a groundwork for you, and that is this. This is not a story of my faithfulness. I have been unfaithful many times. This is a story of God's faithfulness. This is a story of God's grace. There is nothing any good in my life apart from Jesus. I am nothing, and I can do nothing apart from Jesus and His presence in my life. But I want to tell you uh, today, I um, entered into my seventh decade of life a couple of weeks ago, and I owe it to the Lord to tell you as people who are in my circle of influence about His faithfulness to me. Uh, over 70 years, which is kind of difficult to believe, but it is true. It's a story of grace. You know, we use the word grace all the time, but we don't have much revelation of what it means. Did you know that the very, very heart of God is unconditional, unrelenting, powerful love? It, it God, the word says God is. The essence of God is love. And out of that love, out of the DNA, the fabric of that love is grace. That love is expressed through God's favor and His ability that is granted to all of those who will receive Him. Let me express it to you like this. I say I love Dina. I have for over 47 years. I love her. But what if I never expressed that through the words that I spoke? What if I never spent time with her? What if I never affirmed her or defended her or provided for her or supported her or stayed faithful to her? Grace is how love is expressed. And God's grace is the story of my life. It's how I got here is a story of God's grace, and it is for you as well. In this town, 70 years ago, there was a little guy who had dropped out of school in the eighth grade because things economically were so bad in the Great Depression, he had to find little odds and ends jobs to enable his family to be able to survive. 
never got to finish high school and was called up during World War II to fight and went to Europe and saw unimaginable things. Came back and met a young woman who was reared in South Alabama, the only girl of six in a farm community with a dad who was a hard drinking, hard cursing, spent most of his days in the woods. He was a logger kind of man who got gloriously and mightily saved in his 40s, had moved to Birmingham to get her a job after high school. They met and married. And I'm wondering, God, how in your sovereignty did you choose for the agents for which I would come into this earth to be those two instead of somewhere in a remote village in a thatched hut walking three miles just to get water every day, facing terrorists every moment of every day. Why is it that that's how I was enabled to come into this world? That is sovereign grace. That, are, that is the choice of God that is inexplicable. You'll never be able to understand that. And I want to tell you something here today to all of those who are listening. Regardless of how difficult or painful your journey is right now, regardless of how your folks may have dropped the ball, or regardless of the pain you may have grown up in the atmosphere of, there is a purpose for how you got here. There is a story that God is trying to tell through your journey and it's a story about how he expresses his love to you. It is not about your circumstances. It is all about a, a loving and creative God who makes choices out of his sovereignty that are full of grace. As I grew up on the east side of town, in a lower middle class home. I fought with my mother one day about she was forcing me to a thing called vacation Bible school. <laughs> and as a young boy just getting out of class, I hated it. Can anybody uh, feel my pain here? Well, Y'all are too spiritual to admit that, aren't you? And on one particular day, I fought going as hard as I could fight, and I lost that battle. It was on that day that during a service, I had heard a story so many times, and it went right over my head, but on this particular day, God did for me what he did for Lydia in the scriptures. I saw it in my inner man. 
I saw that when he died, it was, I was there. I was there. It was for me. And for the first time in my life, my heart was open and I knew that it was all there for me. And I, I prayed, Jesus, come into my heart and live in my life. I received the gift of your grace. That's amazing, saving grace. A few years later, when I was 14, I was in a camp with our particular uh, faith group there, and something else happened to me. I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord of my life was giving me an assignment to spend the rest of my life ministering under his commissioning to other people. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. But that night in the summer of 1962, I said, I'm in. I'll do it. I receive my calling. Any of you who've ever received a life calling from the Lord know that it can look a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to look any particular way. But here's what I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt after that night that 1 Timothy 1.12 was true for me, and that is I joined the apostle and said, I thank my God who has enabled me and that he counted me faithful, calling me into the ministry. That was 56 years ago. I have never doubted my salvation or that calling in all those years. That's grace. The choices of God are out of grace. It is His favor and His ability that He expresses His love. As I continued on through high school and college, um, toward the end of that, I had a good buddy, and he had started dating this young woman. And uh, boy, she was beautiful. I'm telling you, I couldn't help but notice. And uh, very, very special what little time I was able to just spend with her on double dates. I got her, Jake, to fix me up with somebody I kind of had my eye on, and she did. Well, to cut to the chase, uh, his relationship with this young woman didn't work out. And mine with the woman she set me up with didn't work out. <clears throat> I may be old, but I'm not an idiot. 
And so I called my buddy. And I said, how would you feel about me asking the young woman you've been dating out, are y'all done? <laughs> In so many words. <clears throat> he said, I, no, no, it'll be fine with me. I don't uh, think there's anything there. I said, well, uh, thank you. It didn't take me a day, Billy, to uh, knock on the door, and uh, I asked then Dina Bryant if she would be willing to uh, go out with me on a date. And uh, in a weak moment, she said yes. <laughs> Thank God for grace. I have no doubt and have never had any doubt since the day we married on December 27th, 1971, that this was the covenant partner God had given me. Covenant grace. It's grace. It's God's favor expressed, His love expressed. and sealed with a holy covenant. My journey got complicated for a lot of people. In fact, there are many who felt like I had left the ministry because of a very short few years into our marriage as we began to um, serve the Lord in different places. Uh, I served five or six churches uh, as a young fella. And uh, when Dina and I left seminary and came back to Birmingham, Dina's pastor gave me a position in one of the largest churches in Birmingham as a young man. You know, I had been studying Greek and Hebrew and theology and eschatology and all the ologies. Uh, and in his profound wisdom, his first assignment for me was to conduct what he called children's church for three to 12-year-olds in the church gym. How could the man not know I was a lot more gifted than that? And my assignment was to go walk the streets of Inslee and try to enlist people to ride the church bus the next day and miss my favorite pastime, college football on Saturday. Did he not have a clue? <laughs> One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was learning to communicate with three to five to seven to 12-year-olds. You ought to try that sometime. Some of you parents are uh, feeling my pain. <laughs> Dean and I served several churches. I went out into what I felt was what I was supposed to do. We called it the Steve Franklin Evangelistic Association. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was a disaster. It was, you couldn't fail any more than that. It was a disaster. Beaten up, broken down in my late 20s, I came to a place in my life where it was done. I was over. I'd been on all these child prodigy deals and in these churches and I was absolutely spiritually miserable. Day after day after day, I would listen to tapes and weep, cry out to the Lord. You ever been there? I feel your pain. That's all I could do. Crying out to the Lord, He began to speak to me. He began to tell me what I looked like to Him. I was a disaster to everybody else. And then the Lord told me something that I, nobody could understand. I had a passion to reach uh, young people, and I loved athletics. And the Lord led me to go back to the University of Alabama in Birmingham and get my education degree and focus with the focus on uh, coaching. And uh, in my late 20s, I did that. And I was embraced by a group of coaches in inner city high school. I love them. They love me. I love the athletes. And God gave me a platform to operate and to minister through that realm. I did so in the inner city. I had a stint at Homewood. I went to Briarwood for several years in coaching and athletics. And there were those who said he left the ministry. You know what the truth is, ladies and gentlemen? I didn't leave the ministry, I found it. You only leave the ministry if you don't obey God's assignment. And God doesn't have to always make your assignment fit the squares. There will be some assignments that you won't understand, but if you will just obey, you will eventually get a perspective that he was, there was a reason behind that. And out of this journey, I met and developed many relationships with business and professional people. Business and professional people and their lives was and still is the heart of my ministry. Other churches love missions and, and that's wonderful and inner city work and, and all of that. I think it's all wonderful. But my heart was and still is now for coaching champions in the kingdom, whether that be through business, ministry, whatever it may look like. But that was quite a wonderful experience, and here's why. It taught me how to live by faith. See, when I was in the church, I got two paydays a month, and I didn't know much about learning to walk by faith. But when I, by God's grace, accepted his next assignment, which was to start the ministry that we now have. Uh, I learned to walk by faith, and it was brutal. There were no magic deals where there's a poof. I never got up one day in these last 30 years 
Not one day have I gotten up and found a bunch of money laying in my yard. <laughs> Not one day. And learned to live and walk by faith. But in that journey, God had to tell me that my identity was, had been tied up in my performance. And what I had to learn the hard way when I came to the end of that. One day, uh, Dean and I were listening to a message in the sunroom of the house in an old farmhouse that we had rented. And a man gave him an, um, a, a, a word called the gift of righteousness. I never heard that. The gift of righteousness. And he took Romans 5.17 and he said, Though those who receive the abundance of grace, God's favor, God's ability, and those who receive, receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Life won't run them over. They will reign in life through Jesus Christ gift of righteousness. He said, God has given you the gift of His righteousness. He's already placed it on the inside of you if you're born again. This is not about you being able to make enough good choices to get His approval. He's already approved of you. He did it in Christ Jesus and He can no more disapprove of you than he can disapprove of Jesus. Oh, he can be displeased with some of the, your actions, but not of who you are. Boy, that was revelation because I began to understand that I'd made a fatal mistake. I felt like I was saved by grace, but I felt like I was accepted on the basis of my performance. What a lie. What a tyrannical slave master not knowing your identity in Jesus is. God sees you in Christ Jesus if you have received him. And therefore, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Jesus took on himself all of my sin and did what? Granted me his righteousness. And I recognized I never even just, I never even received it. Do you know to receive something, you can't just have it under the tree, you gotta unwrap it and enjoy it. So I began to give God thanks for the gift of righteousness. And I began to get up every morning and look myself in the eye and instead of the old condemnation of my own lack of performance, I began to say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He loves you and accepts you just like he does Jesus. You are in Christ. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. All things are under his feet and therefore under your feet. And there is no condemnation for you now in Christ Jesus. After 40-something years of living that way, it didn't happen overnight. The revelation had to grow. 
and accumulate of the righteousness of God. But I also learned that God's grace was not just my identity, but He had given me supernatural ability through that grace. And I was going to need it because the Lord allowed me at the right time to really know warfare. You say, Pastor, how can you be a man of faith and experience that much warfare? Can I tell you something? You can't be a man or woman of faith without warfare. It doesn't exist. Did you know that you can't, there's no way you can and say that you love somebody if there's never any issue that love has to conquer. Never. You can't say that you operate in a covenant of love if you never have opportunities to forgive and to bless and to agree and to humble yourself. There's opposite. Love does not exist without opposition. You can't have faith without opposition. They can't. They're not congruent. They won't work. Not really. But I found out that Jesus had told me that he had already conquered even the devil himself and all of his demons and that I would put on the girdle of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace. If I would raise up the shield of faith and put on the helmet of salvation and take up the raiment, the spoken word, the sword of the Spirit, and pray at all times in the Spirit, I would win in Christ. It also was revealed to me that the revelation that Jesus is the anointed one would shake the gates of hell. The gates of hell would not prevail against the revelation that Jesus is Lord and the Anointed One. Warfare grace. Warfare grace. And then the Lord showed me covering grace. You know, that's a bad word to some people. Some people have even written books about how the only covering you need is Jesus. That is not accurate. It's not true. Old and New Testament, there are certain things you can only receive through the grace of covering. There's affirmation, authority, supernatural assignment, ability. Many times, ability and affirmation is actually transferred to you conveyed to you through others in places of gifting and leadership. And there's no substitute for that. You say, well, I don't need all that. I just got Jesus and I got the Word. Well, good for you, but uh, do you know that? Well, here's an example. The Word says that God appointed Joshua to lead the children of Israel, and he was qualified because... Moses had laid his hands on him and he had received the gifting of leadership and wisdom from Moses. 
Can I tell you, God has chosen that there are transfer agents. And those are people who are in places of gifting and leadership. They are transferring agents. Why don't we lay hands on people and commission them and send them out from this church? Because we are obeying the Holy Script. God has chosen to do it that way. Jesus laid hands on the disciples. He commissioned them. He sent them out with His authority. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul was a transfer agent through which God did certain things. Covering grace. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 tells us this. And I want, why are you telling me all this? Because I didn't get it until I had walked a long journey. I wish that I had gotten it before. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't understand it. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1.12 tells us this. That we are to honor and submit to those who are over us in the Lord. Over us in the Lord. Listen, Jesus is not a controller or a manipulator. He's a shepherd. And shepherds love and feed and care for and warn and encourage their sheep. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, I spoke erroneously a minute ago. We are to honor those who are over us in the Lord. Hebrews 13, 17 says that we are to submit to those who are over us in the Lord. Spiritual leadership. And that spiritual leadership should know this, that we must give an account to the Lord. Uh-oh. Are you under spiritual leadership? And under you, are you under spiritual leadership that recognizes that he or she is accountable to the Lord? That is a sobering thought. But understand this, that covering grace is for our benefit. It's to protect us. It's to bring order, anointing, blessing and prosperity, prayer support, spiritual power. There are things that are transferred through covering. In 1995, uh, I had been teaching the Word of God, and it had been received by many and quite well. But I was uh, approached by leadership where I was, and uh, I was kind of confronted that my journey, the way I began to see the Bible and its teachings, and the gifts and operations of the Holy Spirit were not going to be a fit where I was. That was a tough deal. 
It is, uh, I begin to pray and seek the Lord. God led Dina and I to go over to the local church over there off Columbiana Road. And uh, Dr. Culpepper and Peggy were the pastors there. I went in there and there was a witness in my spirit strongly of connection. There was an internal connection in the spirit. I can't explain it. And I began to spend many days praying that if this is what I should do, that the Lord would make it clear to me and make it clear to the shepherd, the covering agent of the church, that that's where I was supposed to be. So we went Sunday after Sunday, and to be honest with you, we were such novices in our experiences, there were certain things we didn't understand. We'd never been around people that raised their hands in worship. We'd never been around somebody that clapped through all the songs. We had never been around somebody who seemed to have a message that wasn't in intelligible English. We didn't understand all that. But there was an internal witness in our spirit man that this was legitimate and real. And the DNA of that fellowship and its pastors connected with our heart. And so we made an appointment to uh, see Dr. Culpepper and we walked in that day in his office, he may not even remember this, and um, this is what we said. We're ordained ministers, have been for all these years. We have a ministry in this city. We described it to him. This is what we do. But here's what we're going to do. We feel like the Lord wants us to be here. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come and we're going to sit in the balcony. We're going to pray we're going to tithe, and we're going to keep our mouth shut until or unless you tell us that it's something you want us to do. We're ordained ministers, but that's what we're going to do, those four things. So gracious and loving. And over time, over many years, I can't tell you what covering has done for Dina and me. I can't tell you what it meant within a few hours of our only son passing to have them there taking us up to an upstairs room. I can't tell you what a masterpiece of Bryant's homegoing honor was presented that day. I can't tell you what it is meant now. We go on trips out west together. We have a lot of meals together. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Your pastor has covering. If I were you, I wouldn't walk under somebody's leadership that is a lone ranger. That's up to you, but that's not wise. Amen? That is not wise. It's not a biblical model. 
association, not affiliation, but something higher. So here's, here's my question to you. Many of you are ministers who listen to this. Do you understand the power of that, that there is value through the grace of covering? Dean and I had been married 13 years when I got a call one day when I was uh, teaching, coaching at Briarwood. And I got a call one day, and Dina said to me, guess what? I'm like, I could sure use some good news right now. Guess what? You're going to be a daddy. What a day. I can't describe it to you after 13 years. That was. I'd worked with kids all my life but to now have one of my own. Wow, it's indescribable. What a day that was. God gave us a beautiful and wonderful son, Bryant Stephen Franklin. Wow, December 15th, 84. What a day. Changed my life. As we begin to enjoy him and just relish in the grace of this gift. Uh, incredibly enough, we begin to notice that something was not right. Uh, that Bryant failed to, to thrive and to grow as he should. So uh, we went to see the doctor and he decided that we should uh, go to the hospital and have some tests. The results of those tests and the day that discovery was communicated to us was devastating. We were told that he had a genetic disease that was only carried when both parents were carriers of a certain gene and that it would be unusual for him to last longer than 12. And that from this day forward, there will be a journey of great pain and suffering. It will destroy you financially. You will have to get government help. And it will pretty much take over your life because his care will become extraordinarily difficult. Uh, Wow, what a day that was. To watch your child suffer for 18 and a half years and not be able to fix it will kill you inside. I've never been the same, and I won't be till I see him again. Dina and I spoke the word of God over him. We prayed. We got others to pray. We treated him as the champion that he was and is. 
we never allowed him to think or speak as a victim. We spoke only the promises of God's word into his life. There was prayer, there was anointing, there was healing. I can't even tell you how many days and nights we spent in prayer and intercession. He lived a fairly normal life for several years, many things he couldn't do. Many times when I would see other kids out playing and I would see him sitting there watching them, my athletic daddy's heart would break. It was almost more than I could stand. But toward the end of Bryant's journey with us, there were several ambulance rides. I would have to call 911 as he was going into respiratory arrest on more than one occasion. One particular day on Christmas Day, he had to be transported by ambulance. And the doc came in on Christmas Day and said, we're nearing the end of the journey. He may last with us another six months. And on that Christmas night, I can remember sitting in the dark listening to the whine of an oxygen machine, begging God not to let him die on Christmas. I did everything I knew to do. I was praying and crying out, God, don't let, please, let this cup pass from me. Don't make me have to go through this. I prayed, I stood, I begged, I pleaded, I got, I did all I know to do. All I know to do. He got all kind of medical help and procedures. But there came that day. On August 3rd of 03 that I watched him take his last breath. I can't tell you. What that was like. It's indescribable. I want to be honest with you now. Dina and I were devastated. Our whole lives were changed. I was stunned. I was so disappointed in God. Confused. Why, for all these years, when I ask you about him, why did I seem to get the impression that he was healed? Stunned, disappointed. And when I would try to approach the Lord about it, it seems like the heavens were just closed up. There was no answer coming. 
some of you know what that feels like, don't you? It is brutal. Almost every great champion goes through a season of a, my God, why have you forsaken me? It may look differently than that, hopefully. But somehow, almost all of us go through one of those seasons of life, whatever it looks like, where nothing seems to be proper. We were stunned, we were confused, we were so disappointed in the Lord and the results. Did you get over it overnight? Did God put a, a message on the wall to you? Oh, please. And you can listen to people who would tell you, if you had just had enough faith, he wouldn't have left. Don't you listen to that. Do you hear me? What I'm trying to tell you is this. Sometimes grace is only described by getting up the next day. the sustaining grace that somehow for whatever indescribable reason you're able to face another day is part of the favor and the ability of God. And you may not hoop and holler and praise the Lord, but if you get up, sometimes that's grace. It can get that deep. my goodness, I don't know if I want to follow somebody like that. Well, you make your own choices, but I'm telling you this. If I were you, I wouldn't trust spiritual leadership that never been through anything. It's up to you. Suffering grace. He sustained us. Here's what we learned. that sometimes faith is not enough. Now, there are those who, who will think, watch out now. You, that, sometimes faith's not enough. Faith comes by what? Hearing what? What if you don't hear anything? What if you get in that place where you're not hearing anything? What about Dean and me when we couldn't hear any reasons? Why, 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 what happened? Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes your faith is going as far as it'll go and you just have to go to the next level. You have to trust. You have to trust. You have to trust his track record. You have to trust his faithfulness. You have to trust his word. Proverbs 3 says, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. 
Eventually, the Lord said to me, when I said, God, how is it that we felt all that? How is it that this is in the Word and that? How is it? And the Lord said to me, you don't know everything. You don't know what happened between him and me on his journey of exit. You know, you weren't party to our conversations. You didn't see what I showed him. You don't know. You don't know what happened. And the Lord began to give me impressions that in that time of lingering between life and death, the Lord began to show me that there were choices Bryant made that had to do with the glory of God and a higher assignment. And I said, but Lord, the benefits, you, you, the benefits, you told me that you, I, I will bless your name and forget none of your benefits. You forgive all my iniquities and you heal all my diseases. And the Lord said to me, ownership trumps benefits. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. And whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. You don't understand and there are things that you don't, but you have an opportunity to trust me. And do you know what? I have prayed for countless people since Bryant's past and seen them healed. Yeah. Ongoing. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. You don't make demands on God. You step in and you believe his word and you go as far as you go and you trust the results into God's hands. And I'll also tell you this, that God's grace has overcome an awful lot. And here's how I can explain it to you in closing. My questions have changed. I don't ask anymore, God, why would you do this? Or why would you let this happen to us? My questions now have changed and they sound like this. Mighty God, how could you have possibly in your grace, chosen Dina and me out of the, all the people in the world to be entrusted with this boy for 18 and a half years. How could we have been that honored? That's grace. It'll change the questions, even in the absence of a lot of answers. Well, through many dangers, toils and snares, 
I have already come. To his grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me. I want to ask Dr. Culpepper to come up here and lead us in our closing prayer. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for how you pray for Dean and me. Honor. We're so grateful. We love you. You're a blessing. One thing I like about him is he's not ashamed of express how he feels. This is a great man, and I don't know why God led us with different affiliations. He has a whole lot more responsibility and oversight than I do. He's been a true and faithful man. He's known us, and Peggy have walked with us for a long, long time. So many things have been imparted to me through him, through the covering, the anointing that he has. Let's just speak our praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We honor you and adore you. You are everything in our lives. Father, we feel like we have been sitting like students in a classroom this morning. We have seen and heard such profound instruction about your grace. And we thank you that our shepherd today has pointed us to the fact that your grace is always with us. In the wonderful times and in the horrible times. And I pray that we will take some of the profound things that we have heard here today and plant them in our hearts and even when we receive the tape of this, that we will listen to it again and again because it is so full of the operation of your grace and calling upon us. We love you, we love Steve and Dina, and we thank you. We thank you for their presence and their personality and their giftings and their assignments because it makes all of us better. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've heard, as you have, we all have heard teachers, preachers, great ones, poor ones, pitiful ones, put us to sleep ones 
Steve Franklin is without peer. I just sit here this morning and just picked out profound statements. I love you, Steve. I'm sure I haven't given you one-tenth as much as you said I had. Dina, I love you. You know Peggy loves you. We all love them, don't we? Let's praise God for them. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.